Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our New Nature series, which talks about what the fruit of the Spirit should look like in the daily life of the believer. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Then we understand that at the time of salvation, uh, that's when you receive uh, the Holy Spirit into your life, when you receive the Lord. And um, the reason I really try to bring that up and reiterate it quite often is because there's a lot of false teaching out there. Um, and we've, uh, I've used the phrase before, but there's some false teaching that has uh, hijacked the phrase, the fruit of the Spirit, or hijacked the phrase Spirit-filled. And they turn it into something to say that, um, you know, once you get saved, then you gradually become filled with the Spirit, or you have moments of being filled and moments of not. Um, but uh, we need to understand that the, the principles uh, taught all throughout the New Testament the, and consistently taught is that when you receive Christ, uh, the Lord moves into your life. And uh, we'll see it at the end of the message, but Paul said it this way, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And that has to do with my nature as well. And one thing that we looked at a few weeks ago in our uh, intentionally dying message is that you don't live with two natures. Um, that you and I, we don't, we don't have sin nature and uh, the Holy Spirit living within us. Once we're saved, once we trust Christ as Savior, uh, Romans 5, 6, and 7 teach us that we are made new in the Lord and that we have a new nature, that the Holy Spirit now takes residence and that sin nature is killed off or uh, crucified with Christ. I, I can remember uh, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, therefore, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What Paul is talking about is saying, hey, listen, when you got saved, your sin nature was crucified to the cross just with Christ. That's the cup of wrath that Jesus took upon him was your sin and my sin. But the downside about all that is that we still live in this flesh. All right, now the flesh is not, and make sure we cover this, and I don't mean to be elementary in some of these thoughts, but uh, the flesh is not sin nature. Okay, you have, to be under, you have to be able to differentiate that and know that the flesh is not sin nature. Sin nature is what we're born with uh, and the reason we're separated from God. The flesh is just the vessel that held sin nature or the vessel that holds the Holy Spirit of God. Does that make sense? And if you and I, does that make sense? Okay, I'm gonna make sure I'm on the same page. You just kind of stare at me. I'm gonna feel like it doesn't make sense and I gotta reconnect. We gotta do it again. Um, you want me to do it again, Mike? All right. You know what? Um, what we need to understand though is that the new nature within us, um, it is the Holy Spirit of God has to be something that we learn about and grow in. And here's the thought, uh, the thought line with that in, in my mind is that if I have the Holy Spirit of God in my life and I know that there are characteristics that come along with having the Holy Spirit of God in my life, I need to know about those characteristics if I'm going to live them out every day. It's not just, well, I have the Holy Spirit, so I'll change. Okay, you say, well, pastor, that, doesn't the Bible tell us that since we have the Holy Spirit, we just automatically change? Yes and no, all right? This is gonna be a long introduction tonight, but we'll be okay. Uh, when I trusted the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, when he came in and took up residence in me, that new nature now becomes my new nature. But you don't just know everything about Christianity and growth and God overnight. While change is there, outward change and really inward heart change is gradual, right? So when I got saved, my eternal destiny was shifted. My child, uh, uh, who I was a child of was changed but there, there must be some growth. And that's where we're coming to this series and understanding that part of the growth is realizing the fruit of the Spirit or the characteristics of the Spirit. So if I'm going to become more like God, I've gotta to grow to know the character of God. And, uh, and so in this series, New Nature, uh, we're going through um, 
Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, it's this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so far, uh, we've learned about the characteristics of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and gentleness. And uh, tonight, we're coming to that next characteristics, which, which is the one of, of goodness. And in order to, uh, to study these thoughts, we've been spending some time. If you were here the last few weeks, we've been spending some time with Jesus right alongside the Sea of Galilee as he would preach what we call the Sermon on the Mount, famously uh, given in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but then also given in the book of Luke in chapter number 6. And um, it's here that we've been kind of listening in on, uh, on this message that Jesus preached. And when you go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's the longest recorded message that we have of Christ. But if you'll remember with me, uh, the, the words that Jesus was preaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as well as recorded for us in Luke 6, those words and really all of the teachings of Jesus, um, they were very radical thoughts. Um, by that, I mean the fact that they were brand new and they were something that were very opposite to what most people were taught and what most people knew. And so Jesus said, you know, you've heard that uh, uh, do good for good and evil for evil, I say unto you. And he would say, no, I'm going to say you need to, even if someone does evil to you, you do good to them. And man, that was contrary to the thinking that people had that time and really contrary to even the thinking that we have. And uh, But it's interesting that with this Sermon on the Mount, kind of wrapped up in the Sermon on the Mount, you find the fruit of the spirit characteristics that Jesus is teaching. Um, for instance, we learned two weeks ago about the word macrothumia. Uh, the English word for it is what? Long-suffering. Macrothumia is long-suffering. What does that word mean? Uh, the word literally means to be killed continually or to be continually killed. And Jesus taught, you know what? You need to be able to continue on even through mistreatment. And he taught that to all of those people on the hillside. He taught that to the disciples that, hey, you may go through times of being mistreated, but you need to be able to endure through it. We learned then last week about the word Christotes, the Greek word Christotes, which is the word gentleness. That word is being able to uh, not only put up with mistreatment, but to be kind and beneficial to those responsible for the mistreatment. And um, we have to remember, though, that to have gentleness is to not only be kind, but to go out of your way to make your life useful or beneficial to even those who are mistreating you. Well, tonight we're going to continue looking at this new nature by coming to uh, the Sermon on the Mount again and looking at this characteristic of goodness and uh, I think there's more than meets the eye here, uh, as there has been with long suffering and gentleness. And so, if you would stand with me, and let's go to Luke chapter six, and verse number forty-one is where we're going to start tonight. Luke six forty-one, and we read these words. Jesus says, "This why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye?" But perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite? Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of the thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. As we come to our study tonight, we're going to learn about the Greek word agath, agathon, agathosune, all right? Agathosune. I've, I always mess them up when I'm in front of people, but that's all right. Agathosune, and that is the Greek word for the word goodness. Now, at just a casual reading 
of the word goodness, I think you and I would say it just means to be good, right? Just to be good. But what we're going to understand tonight is uh, the word good, really it can be relative. It can mean different things to different people. And so I want us tonight to understand what does it mean to be good or to have this characteristic of goodness uh, that the Lord's speaking of. What does he mean by that? And I think we'll be able to uh, take this word and apply it to our life really this week. I think there's some great thoughts for us here today. So let's pray and then let's jump into our study tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe you would just uh, take a moment and give God permission to speak to you and just commit to him the, uh, the time to study. Commit to him that as he's speaking to you tonight, that you're listening, that you'll respond. Dear Lord, we just come before you and we thank you for your love and your care for us and thank you again for the opportunity to uh, be here. And Lord, um, I just pray tonight that as we get into these thoughts about goodness, Father, I pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, I humble my heart before you and recognize that I have nothing to offer you tonight except for that which uh, you have for us. And so God, uh, I pray that you would work through me and help us to respond to you as you speak. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> as we start tonight, I want us to really understand the, uh, the definition of the word goodness before we get into the passage. And uh, as I stated a second ago, when you hear the word goodness, you probably would assume that it simply means to just be good. Uh, but that's not quite what we're looking at when you read about goodness or you read about the good that we're talking about here in, in Luke chapter number six. Uh, there's really a lot to the word, and in order to understand it better, we've got to know what it means. And so when I say that the, the word good can be, <coughs> can be relative, uh, here's what I mean by that. When you were, when you were growing up, um, your parents would probably leave the house, and your parents would say, be good while I'm gone. Be good while I'm gone. Now to you, be good while I'm gone means don't burn the house down. To your mom, be good means don't do anything out of the norm. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be an airhead. Don't put the cat in a pillowcase and play catch. Don't. To your mom, the word good is really all-encompassing, isn't it? It's like, okay, put yourself in a glass box and stay. Don't do anything. That's kind of what mothers, moms, you know what I'm talking about. When you leave and you say, hey, be good, you're not just saying, don't blow the house up with fireworks. You're saying, don't do anything that is stupid. Just, just think. That's kind of what you're getting to. So the word good really can be relative, can it? It's kind of who's speaking, who's listening. And so when you come to uh, uh, this word good here in the passage, uh, we have to know that the word goodness in Galatians 5 really is, is the same. It could be relative depending upon who's speaking or who's listening. But our definition probably would not mean to God to just be good, just don't do anything stupid. I think God probably means a little more than that. Because if you look up the full definition, the full definition of the word goodness, when you take all of the root words and put them together, you'll get something like this. Goodness means to have uprightness of heart and life, goodness, kindness, and doing that which is right by others. It is a word indicating zealous activity in doing good. Okay, there's a lot more there than in just don't be ridiculous. You know, don't blow the house up. There's more there in this definition. And I want us to understand tonight that when we look at goodness, and while we could spend a lot of time explaining uh, goodness, uh, I just want us to know that goodness covers doing good according to God, being good with God, and accomplishing good with zeal. All right, that's really the definition that you can gather from this. And so I want us to learn from the Sermon on the Mount what goodness looks like in your life and my life. And I think it's right here on the pages in front of us. So I want you to take your Bible, first of all, tonight and realize that goodness is first 
personal. Goodness is first personal. Here's what I mean. Go look at verse number 41 and 42. Here's what Jesus said, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Just one thing we need to, we need to know is that good Goodness happens first inside my own heart, making sure that I am good with God. What Christ is doing in these verses is challenging them with this thought. It is okay to want to encourage and help other people around you. It's okay to do good in the life of someone else, but you cannot do good in the life of someone else if you are not filled with goodness yourself. You see, how many people do you know that get caught up being concerned about everybody else's life and their own life is falling apart? They can critique and point out everybody else's flaws, but their own life is filled with discrepancies and inconsistencies and sin. Often, And here, Christ gives this example of the thought of the moat or the beam that's in one eye. The word moat here is, uh, um, the word moat would be like a, a chaff. It'd be like this, a small little splinter. And the word beam is like a two by four. I preached a message on this uh, back in 2014, and I got Micah and Robert up here. And uh, you had just come on staff, I think, right about that time. Do you remember that? You don't remember that? Do you remember it? I know you remember it because I roped a two-by-four to your head. <laughs> I got them up here, and, um, and I know it was you because you're in my notes. That's how I know. I looked back at it. <laughs> um, I got Micah and Robert up here, and, and I, I took a, pretended that Micah had a little splinter in his eye, and of course, Robert didn't have anything in his, and so Robert would be able to help Micah get a little splinter out of his eye, but then I reached underneath, and I grabbed this two-by-four that had rope to it, and I rope, tied this two-by-four right in front of Robert's face and gave him a pair of, of tweezers, I think, or something like that, and I said, all right, now, Micah, would you trust Robert to get the splinter out of your eye? And of course, the answer is No. There's no way. Why? Because he can't see. He's blinded. He can't see. He can't help me. He can't be of good in my life because there's something wrong in his life. So what I, when I say that goodness is first personal, goodness is understanding, goodness, or we have to understand that goodness is first making sure that my heart is upright and good with the Lord. If I'm going to live out the fruit of the Spirit, which is goodness, I've got to make sure that I'm right with God. It's like David said in the psalm that we read this morning, search me, O God, and know me. Try my uh, thoughts and, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And we need to be able to open ourselves up to God to say, God, we desire for, I desire for you to search within me because I know I cannot be long-suffering, I cannot be gentle, and I cannot be good in the life of anybody else unless first I am right with you. You see, our uh, uh, horizontal relationships will never be right until our vertical relationship is right. Your relationship with God must be first place. It must be something that you give attention to. Our relationship with God must be something that we uh, daily uh, look at and work on and ask God to uh, search us in order to help us be right with him because you and I, we cannot be beneficial or good in the life of other people unless we first are good with God. And here's what uh, the Lord's getting at in, in even this Sermon on the Mount is saying, hey, it's okay to want to encourage or do good in someone else's life. It's okay if you can uh, come over to, I can come over to Micah and say, hey, Micah, let me encourage you in this. But it's not okay if I'm trying to encourage him and yet there's a beam in my own, my own heart. There's a, a, a beam in my own sight. There's sin in my life that I'm hiding, that I'm harboring. I can't demonstrate goodness or, or uh, share goodness or be goodness unless I'm first good with the Lord. Now, that's a simple thought, but I think it's hard to live out because how quick are we 
Listen, how quick are we to excuse away our sin and rationalize our sin while judging others for theirs? Think about that. Most of the time, we're quick to say, man, I'd never do that. Man, they need to work on that. Let me, let me, I don't feel like we're getting it yet. Bring it home. You know, my wife really needs to work on this. Boy, my husband, they really need to work on that. Boy, my kids, they sure. Boy, my mom and dad, I just wish they, boy, that coworker, if they had just straightened things up, if they would get this dealt with, they'd be a real great coworker. Now listen, the desire to help people grow, that's good. We should have that. But we should give more attention to our own growth and the, the sin that's in our life than critiquing others in their life. You know, you know what that is? That's called Pharisaical Christianity. You know, the Lord put a great verse in the Bible for us about this. I knew you were thinking, is there a verse that goes along with this principle? And so we're gonna, we're gonna find out what it is. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 31. Here's what Paul wrote, the God, the God inspired Paul to write. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That's a simple thought. Here's, here's what it is. You worry about you. Man, stop trying to live everybody else's Christianity and start living your own. That's what Jesus is getting at in Luke 6, 41 and 42. Say, hey, you worry about you. That's where goodness starts. You and I can't be good in the life of someone else if I'm not good in my relationship with the Lord. We can't be upright, right? You go back to the definition of, of uh, goodness, uprightness of heart and life, goodness, kindness, and doing that which is right by others. We cannot do that. I can't be upright in, in heart with others if I'm not upright in heart with God. That relationship, it, it should, uh, excuse, the, excuse the wording, but it should trump everything else. It should, that, that relationship should be the, the, uh, the leading thought in my life as I want my relationship to be right with God. And Christ here, he's really helping these people to understand that if you're going to help people, you have to first have a clear and a clean heart. And uh, we need to know that we can't be used of God to be good in, uh, in relationships unless our goodness is first upward. Goodness, it's, it's first personal. It's something between me and God. And real goodness hinges upon my relationship with the Lord. And uh, I think about Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and verse 8 through 10. I think I have these words here. It says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Man, you think about this, that you and I, we... Oh, this is just so many thoughts. Ah, help my brain. Uh, we want to, I don't know many Christians that say, I don't want to be used for good in the life of someone else. I really don't. I don't know many believers that their goal, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, I don't ever want to help somebody else. Most believers have this mindset of, I want to be a blessing. I want, you know what? I want to do good in someone else's life. I want to encourage people and I want to help people. Uh, but all too often, the, the, listen, the biggest reason that we can't is because of our own sin that's in our life. Well, no, that's not me. That's the sin of pride. Well, they need to work. Listen, we need to understand that us being right with God is where it all starts. And I don't mean to belabor the point, but I just feel like I need to tonight is just saying that's not because maybe someone's off in sin or something like that. I think it's more because all of us, maybe we don't have like some besetting sin that we're just holding back from God, but every one of us, need to more often through the day say, God, search me and help me to be right with you. Because if I'm not right with him, you know what could happen? I could miss opportunities. I miss opportunity to do good. Why? Because I'm not right with him, because the spirit isn't speaking to me, because I'm not listening, because I've crowded him out with sin in my life. So we just need to know that this idea of goodness, that goodness, it's, it's first personal. 
I don't want to miss the opportunity. I don't want to uh, um, think about it. This week, God could bring somebody across your path that you could do good and be zealous, zealously uh, um, reaching after goodness and trying to be good or be upright for them and help them and be gentle, use your life to benefit them. But if you're not right with God, you might miss God's prompting saying, hey, just go out of your way. Hey, speak to them. Hey, encourage them. So at first, it hinges with my relationship with God that goodness is, it's first personal. But I want you to notice, secondly, that goodness, verse number 45, shows us goodness is portrayed. Goodness is not only personal with the Lord, but then uh, goodness is supposed to come out to others. Look at verse number 45. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the, out of the, for of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, or out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. <clears throat> the simple thought with this is the fact that what's on the inside is going to come out. Let's take just a minute. Let's kind of pull all of this together, okay? So let's take the last three weeks being long-suffering, that long-suffering um, idea is that I'm going to be mistreated, but I'm going to continue on for the Lord. So no matter what happens to me, I'm going to keep plowing. Uh, right? Jesus said to him, hey, listen, no matter how you're mistreated, the Romans are mistreating you, things are going on. If a man smites you, listen, just keep going. You just keep moving forward. You don't worry about everybody else. You just keep, keep uh, plugging away from me and just stay faithful. So that's the idea of being long-suffering, to be abundantly killed and yet to continue on. Then you have this idea of being gentle, like we looked at last week. Uh, the idea of being gentle is instead of returning mistreatment, no, instead, we offer the other cheek. We seek to use our life to be useful or beneficial in their life. Uh, and the, the word gentle is mainly speaking about the enemies. That's what the Lord's mainly talking about. Being gentle with people is, hey, no matter how you're treated, Jesus, he reviled not, he was reviled, yet reviled not again. That's that gentleness. Well, the goodness is encompassing every other relationship. Hey, now we're taking this, Jesus says, hey, you need to be long-suffering with those that mistreat you. Oh, by the way, you need to be kind and useful to those that mistreat you. Oh, and let's take this a step further. To everybody that you come across, they need to see your goodness. They need to see you being upright of heart and kind. And they need to see it in a zealous way. They need to see you zealously searching for opportunities to do good, to show good, and to be good in their life. This idea of goodness helps us understand that uh, uh, when we're right with God, God puts within us the desire to do good for other people. We have to know that that doesn't just come normal. The Bible tells us in Psalm 34, 16, that there's those in the world that they just do evil. That's what they do. Psalm 35, 12, it says that there are those who they return evil for good. But most of us would fall under the category of Luke 6, 32 through 35, or 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 15, that shows us that most people in the world, they do good for good, and evil for evil. But when you look at the word of God here in Luke 6, as well as Romans 12, verse 18 through 21, you find that the Christian is supposed to return good for everything. I'm supposed to be good with those that are good and those that are evil. Think about this verse in Galatians 6, 10, where we read this. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto nice men. No. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. This idea of my goodness being portrayed is the fact that when I am right with God, God's going to bring opportunity for me to show goodness and to show uh, his heart to other people. And Paul wrote just a, a little bit later after um, the, the fruit of the spirit, he's saying, hey, listen, as you have opportunity, do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. 
It's not saying there needs to be a click within the church. It's saying, hey, you need to be observant and look for opportunity to do good to anybody that you can. This is taught all throughout scripture that my goodness is going to show up in my works. How about this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Walk in what? Walk in good works. How about Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So Ephesians 2 is talking about doing good works for everybody. Hebrews 10 is talking about doing good works for believers, provoking unto good works. Someone once said this for a believer that you and I should do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can, all the times you can unto all the people you can. As long as you can, do all the good you can do for the glory of God. This should be really my heart to say, God, I'm going to work at continually being right with you because then I can be zealous to look for opportunity to do good to anyone who's around me. You see, doing good for everybody is not just dealing with those who mistreat me. It's doing good with anyone. It's looking to do good. It's looking to be kind. It's looking to offer help. It's looking to give. It's looking to sacrifice. Uh, goodness just says, listen, I am available to be a blessing to anybody, I, uh, anybody whose path I cross. Not just my enemy, right? That's the long suffering and gentleness offered to them the other cheek. Take off, if they ask for the coat, give them your shirt also. That's the long suffering and gentleness. Goodness says, everybody I come across, I want to be a blessing into their life. Question, how many people do you know that are really like that? Man, there's not very many, is there? Like you can probably think of some people in the church. We can think of people in the church maybe that, man, they get it. They're good and they, they try to be a blessing to everybody. But I don't know too many people that I meet that they want to be a blessing literally to everyone they come across. For example, I want you to be observant during this Christmas season because Christmas season, you really see the, what's really in people come out. But I would encourage you, you know, one of the best ways that we can practice goodness, portraying goodness. Remember, we're, I'm assuming that we're right with God. All right, number one, we need to get right with God. We need to make sure we're good with him. So I'm assuming that that's taking place. If that's taking place, one of the best ways that we can be good is just be observant to people around you and ask yourself, how could I make their day better? Amen. Like you're gonna notice during this Christmas season, you're gonna go to, to Walmart the mall of Moses Lake, Walmart. You're gonna go there, you're gonna go uh, to Ross, or you're gonna be eating dinner at Rock Top, or you're gonna go to Wendy's when they, we're getting a Wendy's. They open on December 14th, just in case you were wondering. It's the 6th now? 14th is the Oh, okay. So the grand opening is on the 14th, but they're like, we can go get food on the 6th? Really? Yes. Ray works there. He's going to hook up Frosties. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know what? When you go to these places, when you go to Wendy's, when you go uh, to Taco Bell, when you go to Ross, when you go uh, to the supermarket, when you're walking uh, on your street, uh, I, I think that we often come across people, and I know this to be true, especially the holiday season, because it, it's already happened to me, that the holiday season is when emotions really come out of people. It can either be a good time or a, a hurting time. I was in one of our stores the other day and a, a young lady that I know at this store, I, I ask people all the time, hey, how you doing? And just, yeah, man, just try to be upbeat with them. And I said, hey, how you doing? And she broke down crying, like instantly. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> what did I just walk into? Now I had a choice in the moment and I'm, I'm thankful for the Lord giving me some wisdom. I had a choice to say, oh, sorry to hear that. I gotta go. I had a choice to say that or to say, hey, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? Can we pray right now? Can I pray for you right now? Now, I'm not saying this story to lift you up. I'm saying that I noticed, I mean, emotions come out 
Twice in one day, I had people that I just simply asked, how are you doing? And they proceeded to tell me how they were doing. And that's fine. But you know what we need to do? You need to be able to look for opportunities to say, how can I help them today? No doubt you're gonna go through Walmart this, uh, this holiday season and be checking out. If you don't use the self-checkout, you're gonna be going through and talking to a person. And you might say, how are you doing? And they're gonna say, I'm fine. What's that cue for? It's cue for there's something going on. And I'm not saying you need to dig. No, no, seriously, tell me how you're doing. Come on, tell me, come on, come on, come on. And just be there and push. I'm saying you can say to them, hey, I, I can sense in your voice that maybe there's something going on. I just wanna let you know that I'm a, I'm a Christian. And Molly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be praying for you. And I mean that, I'm just gonna pray for you. I don't know what's going on. You don't have to tell me. But Molly, I'm gonna pray for you. Thanks for your help today. I hope, you, I hope your day starts looking up. Man, there's people in our, in our community that uh, I know folks from our church have been an, a tremendous blessing to because they simply looked for opportunity to do good. They were right with the Lord. They looked for opportunity just to be kind, give a kind word to somebody. It wasn't an enemy, it was a total stranger. And there are people, I know folks in our community that I've gone to give a track to and they'll say, you know, someone gave me one of these the other day and they were such a nice person. I was having a rough time and they encouraged me. I don't know who it was, but whatever you guys are doing up there, keep doing it. I can tell you how many times I've come across people like that. And we all know it because we, we know people that other Christians have been a blessing to. And uh, I can think right now of a lady that, that came in uh, on a Saturday a few weeks ago a lady that came in on a Saturday. She didn't know me at all. I've met her one time. I met her in a parking lot. She remembered meeting me in a parking lot. And uh, she just came up to the church and kind of showed herself in, walked all the way up here. I don't know, she knew this was my office and knocked on the door. I think some of the staff was cleaning or something like that. She might've asked someone. She knocked on the door, I opened the door and I kind of recognized her, but I didn't know her. And she said, Pastor Dennis, you really don't know me, but you met me at this such and such store in the parking lot. I just wanted to come and I wanted to talk to you about one of your members. <laughs> this can go good or it can go bad. And I said, oh, really? Uh, who'd you, who do you want to talk about? Oh, I want to talk about so-and-so. I said, oh, okay. Well, what can I do for you? I just want to let you know that you know, since coming to the Lord, since coming to this church, since this, since this decision, you know, I've really seen a difference in them. And they, they've, just, they've just began to walk with the Lord and grow or whatever the case might be. And she, she just proceeded to tell me how that person had been a blessing to her. You know what that is? That's just somebody who's looking for opportunity that that person and you don't know, but they may be here tonight. They may not be here tonight. I know, but you don't. That person, this isn't to lift them up, but this is just to simply say that there's times when we can look for opportunities to do good to people, and you never know what an effect it's gonna have. And all throughout scripture, doing good and going out of my way to be a blessing and, and present an opportunity to encourage somebody. Man, that's, that's what the fruit of the spirit of goodness is. I see, first of all, tonight that that fruit, it's, it's personal, must be right with God. Secondly, it's portrayed. What's on the inside is gonna come out. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Hey, a good tree brings forth good fruit and an evil tree bring forth evil fruit. And so you need to know, this is Jesus speaking, you need to know that what's on the inside, it is gonna come out. Good is first personal. Secondly, good is portrayed. But I want you to see lastly that good will always be perceived. What do I mean by that? People take note. People take note. Look with me, if you will, at verse number uh, <clears throat> 43. Here's what it says. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth, bring forth good fruit. Watch verse 44. For every tree is known by his own fruit. Every tree is known by his own fruit. Listen, goodness is going to be seen or perceived by other people. And the thought, the thought is that my life, it's going to tell on me. This is why it's so important to make sure that I'm right with the Lord and what's on the inside is right with him because pretty soon it's gonna show up in my walk and 
it's going to be portrayed one way, or in, one way or another, and people are going to pick up on it one way or another. You think about people observing us as Christians. I don't think we talk about this too much in church because of the, uh, the judgment thoughts that we talked about earlier. You know, hey, God, listen, God looks on the inward, but man, man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart and don't judge me. And, you know, people should, but we need to understand, you need to understand that the statement was said a long time ago that you may be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. And there's people in this community that I, uh, man, I've been working at reaching and many of you have, con- have had contact with them. And my prayer is that neither you you nor I leave a bad taste in their mouth, but because they're watching. People are watching. They're watching, and they, want, they, they, they uh, uh, are searching for something. And if they continually see goodness, and that's consistent in you who call yourself a Christian, man, over time, you know what they're going to say? I want what you have. I want that. I don't have it. I want that. This is the idea that goodness is perceived, that people are going to watch it. Think about this verse, and, and in the context of what, what we're talking about tonight, goodness, here's what Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works, and then do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hey, listen, your good works, they're going to either draw people to the Lord, or your evil works are going to push people away from the Lord. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. I'm either doing good and drawing people. I'm either consistent in my conversation, my words, and drawing people to the Lord, or I'm inconsistent and pushing people. I'm inconsistent in my words and my actions and causing people to say, man, if that's Christianity, I do not want it. One of the saddest illustrations, and I bring this up often, is the story of Mahatma Gandhi. And Mahatma Gandhi stepping into a Christian church here in the United States. And when he went into the church, uh, someone in the back said, I'm sorry, but uh, your kind is not allowed here. And Mahatma Gandhi quoted this saying, I would have been a Christian were it not for Christians. He believed in Jesus. Mahatma Gandhi, now you think about who Mahatma Gandhi was. I mean, now India, going into Hinduism, Mahatma Gandhi is one of their most uh, elite leaders, over three million gods. And here he had opportunity, listen, he had opportunity to meet the one true God. And yet a Christian, because of his missed opportunity to do good, Man, who knows? India could be a Christian nation. Who knows? Who knows what was missed out? You say, Pastor, really? I mean, one decision? Listen. Listen, the importance of one decision. Man, you never know. You never know the the Mahatma Gandhi uh, uh, path that you might cross this week. You never know the lingering effect that you and I could have on people when we take opportunity to do good. Man, it literally could affect eternity. It makes us understand the brevity of this idea of the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? It's not just the Lord saying, hey, you know, you know, love, joy, peace, just kind of grow in those things, you know, be long-suffering, kind of continually forgive and be gentle with people. Oh, by the way, you know, uh, just, you know, every now and then do good and, and have faith and this meekness and, and temperance, that self and spirit control, you know, just, just kind of work on it when you can. I don't believe that's the Lord's approach. He's saying, hey, listen, the fruit of the spirit the character of the spirit, this new nature in you. Boy, you gotta work on these things. You gotta look for opportunity to grow in these areas. Why? Because you never know what you could do. Never know what you could affect. And here's the thought about our works is when you look at Matthew five sixteen, good works is how we let our light shine. It's how we glorify God. But we need to understand this this morning that it's, Not only, well, let me say it this way. Our works pave the way for our words. Okay, our works pave the way for our words. 
<clears throat> you can speak truth, but if you don't live truth, it doesn't matter how much truth you speak. You can tell people all day long, I love Jesus, he's changed my life, and Jesus is amazing, and you can tell people that all the, all, all the day long. But like my kid's little song says, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. What's that? Hey, your words, they matter, but your actions do more. This is why good works are so important. This is why good deeds is, needs to be real in our life. And I'm not talking about good deeds that get us salvation. We're not talking about any of that. We're saying that if we're saved, we, we should want and be zealous about goodness being a part of our life. You can think about verses like this, of 1 Peter 2, 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that's your walk, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. 1 Timothy 5, 24, some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. How about this? Uh, you think about it, that being, being good, being good is what you are on the inside. Doing good is what people see on the outside. And one of the greatest ways to practice this is in every situation, just looking for that opportunity to do good, to be good in someone's life. You know, when you do that, did you know that this is also part of, way, part of a way of making peace? Being good and doing good in the life of others can make peace with people. How about this verse, Proverbs 25, 21 and 22? If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink, for thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Man, you can think about it. There's so many times in scripture that goodness was displayed. There's times in scripture, I think about gentleness and goodness being displayed in the life of Joseph with his brothers, but then goodness being displayed in the life of Joseph with uh, the butler who forgot him. He was, he, right, years later, Joseph was over the butler. He never condemned him. Years later, Joseph was over his brothers. There's long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness wrapped up in that. He said, hey, you thought it for evil, but God meant it for good. Let me just close tonight by simply saying these thoughts, that when Jesus came into your life, he brought into you and me a new nature. Paul said it this way, and I quoted it at the beginning, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things, they're passed away. Behold, the word behold means stop, hey, wake up, hey, pay attention to this. Behold, all things are become new. You know, in Luke 6, when Jesus gave these truths to the multitude on the hill, he really was speaking things that are impossible. but he wasn't giving them something that he was expecting them to perform, nor is he giving us something that he's expecting us to perform. No, we need to remember that all of these things, they're fruit of the Spirit. They come, and every week we're coming back to this simple thought. All of these things become an intricate part of my life when I simply surrender. You see, tomorrow... <clears throat> Tomorrow when you wake up, you're going to need to decide if you're going to surrender and serve yourself tomorrow or if you're going to surrender and follow God's decisions for you. You're gonna decide if you're gonna, listen, you're gonna decide if you're gonna listen to your voice tomorrow or if you're gonna ask God, God, would you help me to be sensitive to you today? God, direct my day. If you interrupt it because of somebody that needs me to be an encouragement to them, I'll follow. 
God, if you, if you help, if, if you have someone that you bring across my path, not that I force into my path, but God, if there's somebody that you bring across my path that you want me to encourage, I'm gonna do it. God, if it's my spouse tomorrow that I can serve, I can do good in their life, I'm gonna do it. If it's my brother and my sister, if it's my grandparents, if it's my grandkids, if it's my children, if it's a coworker, God, I'm gonna do it. It's a fruit of the spirit. Here's the encouragement that I'm getting at. This isn't dependent upon you and me. It's not, it's not God saying, okay, go perform. It's God saying, hey, this comes along with knowing me. Just be surrendered and let me do this through you. Goodness, it's first personal between me and God. Secondly, it's portrayed. It needs to show up. It needs to show up in my life. But then that third thought is it's perceived. People are watching. You might be that only Bible that somebody reads. I hope this week that they would read love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for the time. I pray that you'd bless as we come to a time of invitation. I pray that you'd give us the, uh, the heart to respond to you. Lord, these are some challenging thoughts, and I know that uh, my heart is challenged by them. And Father, I know that your word is so much more powerful than I can, uh, than I can preach. And so, Lord, I pray that your word would take the, uh, the root and do the heart work that you desire. Help us tonight to desire and to make the decision that this week we're going to do goodness, that we're going to be uh, upright and good to others and for the benefit of others. And Lord, do right by people. And God, I pray that you would just uh, speak to us right now in the invitation, help us to respond. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you'd stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if God's spoken to your heart today, uh, tonight, about this area of goodness, maybe you wanna pray there at your seat or you wanna pray here at the altar, but if God's spoken to you, right now would you come? Right now, maybe you've been going through life and it's kinda, you'll do good if it really jumps out at you, but not really looking for that opportunity. This is that word zealous, to be zealous for looking for opportunity, trying to find opportunity to do good in the life of people. If God's spoken, let's just take a moment, let's respond to him. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.